Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from the Little League Classic at Bowman Field out in Williamsport. It's the Cleveland Indians 3, the LA Angels nothing. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And what a fun event for the Little Leaguers out in Williamsport last night. It really was a great day uh, from all the footage and the videos from everything from Tristan McKenzie and DJ Johnson sled riding on cardboard down a hill to, you know, seeing Otani and all those guys signing autographs for the kids, especially right when they got off the plane, Trout and Otani are, you know, surrounded signing autographs. And uh, yeah, they, they hung out with the Little Leaguers. Reyes was signing a ton of autographs I saw. Um, they hung out at the Little League games and talked with the players and then obviously invited all the Little Leaguers to come watch their game last night. So a really cool atmosphere. Uh, it really was a great uh, a great day for Major League Baseball and passing the game of baseball down to some youngsters. And honest to God, that is incredibly important. So let's get into the storylines of this game because... The Indians have now swept the LA Angels in the weekend series. We are now 5-1 and one against the Angels on the season, which is pretty impressive. We move back uh, to 500. The Indians are back to 61-61. and 61. They're back to 500. Uh, in theory, they move ahead of LA in the uh, wildcard standings, but we're still seven and a half games back of a wildcard spot. So, Absolutely nothing is impossible in Major League Baseball. I mean, if Savali and Bieber do make their comeback, and Savali, by the way, pitched a uh, pitched a rehab start. I think he did two innings down in Akron, two shutout innings down in Akron. So that's good to see. He really could be on the way back uh, before the month is over. Uh, but yeah, him and Bieber, I mean... It's not completely out of the cards that they could make a run. There's just so many teams ahead of them in the wild card right now. It'd be really, really hard. But hey, getting on a big win streak, I mean, winning three in a row over the Angels definitely helps that cause. And uh, we still do have that huge five-game set coming up against the White Sox. But I think at this point, we're still on the outside looking in. We're still kind of building for next year as opposed to really fighting for a playoff spot this year. But let's get into this game and see what went down. And it's funny because usually I turn to StatCast, right? I turn to Baseball Savant for all the data that we talk about to really get a picture of the game. But because they weren't playing in a, a full Major League stadium, I, I guess they don't have all the equipment. So Things like uh, exit velocity just are not there. Distance launch angle, none of that stuff is there. So uh, we're going to have to rely on some different tools to talk about this game. But the big storyline from this game was Cal Quantrill. And of anyone who put on a show yesterday, it'd be him and Ahmed Rosario. Uh, but Quantrill was absolutely dominant on the mound. Seven innings pitched, two hits, no runs, two walks, nine strikeouts, no home runs, and 94 pitches. A really great job by Cal Quantrill absolutely shutting down uh, this Angels team. The Angels team that was held to four hits again. Man, the Angels really have a tough time with Indians pitching. Otani did get to 
I wouldn't say he got to show off a little bit, but he was much more impactful in this game than he had been at any point in the series. He gets the leadoff hit. He walks twice, so he's on base three times. But Quantrill does strike him out on what looked like a changeup down and away. So Otani once again is held in check by the Indians pitching, and then nobody else in this lineup really threatened. Uh, Yeah, four hits on the day for the Angels. Uh, So really impressive job by Quantrill. Now, what was he throwing? We do have some of the player breakdown numbers on what he was throwing. So it was mostly fastballs and all the different variations on fastballs that Quantrill can do. He threw the cutter 28 times. He threw the sinker, which they label it a sinker on here. It really moves like a two-seam fastball. I think that's more of a two-seamer. And uh, the four-seam fastball, which he even said in an interview, they threw him on a headset after the start was done. And he was talking with the broadcast team. And he said when he got to Cleveland, everybody threw these great four-seam fastballs. And he thought, I got to learn a four-seam fastball. And so, yeah, so he was even... pulling that out of his arsenal last night. Then a few change-ups, a few curveballs, and a few sliders mixed in there. Uh, The most effective pitch was probably the cutter. I mean, the curveball is an outlier. He threw it twice and has a 50% CSW. I think we can all agree that's just an outlier. Uh, The cutter, he threw 28 times. 14 swings, 4 whiffs, but had 7 called strikes with the cutter. 39% CSW on that pitch. They only put 4 in play. So, that was really, really effective for him. Um, in fact, they only put nine balls in play yesterday against him, and it was all off the hard stuff, the cutter, the sinker, or the four-seamer. They didn't put, I know he only threw them, uh, let's see, uh, off-speed pitches he only threw eight times, but they did not put any of them in play. So when he was going to them, uh, they definitely weren't ready for him. So, that is what is going on with his pitch mix here. And for more details, we got to jump over to Fangraphs. And uh, I pulled up Cal Quantrill's page just to see how this start compared to some of his more recent starts. Because obviously, he's been dominating since the All-Star break. Been pitching really well since the All-Star break. And the strikeouts were up in this one. Uh, like I said, he had nine strikeouts on the day. And uh, I can't go to the Illustrator and tell you the location of all those strikeouts, but I can tell you it felt like a lot were coming on cutters. It felt like a lot were coming on fastballs. And, of course, that one change up to Otani down and away. There was another one, I think, to Iglesias that was down in the dirt that was probably a breaking ball that he swung and missed and then ended up kicking the ball once it was in the dirt, which immediately made him out. It was a weird play where they didn't have to really make the throw to first because he kicks it coming out of the batter's box. Um, so he's out there. Not, you know, it actually reminds me, one of the crazy things about this game was the acoustics. I mean, it's a different style stadium with these major leaguers up there, but you could hear the umpires call it. The crack of the bat sounded different. The ball in the mitt sounded different. The acoustics in that Little League park, and I know it's a, a major league park designed for major leaguers in a Little League you know, situation, but... The acoustics definitely sounded like a Little League game. And maybe it's just because they were ESPN got in there and just, you know, uh, you know, loaded the field up with field mics or something like that. But there were, the acoustics definitely had a different feel to it than a normal Major League game. So, uh, yeah, so the strikeouts, he was definitely up from where he's been his last two starts. He was around 7 Ks per nine. He was up to 11.5 Ks per nine in this one. So increasing the strikeouts. Uh, obviously, not letting up a home run is huge. Um, 
the batting average of the guys he faced, it's one of his best on the season. Uh, one of his best on the season at .091 batting average against. Uh, that is really great. Uh, the whip is way down there at 0.57. Obviously, only the two walks and two hits uh, are really impressive. And the batting average balls in play. They were putting the ball in play, but they only had a 154 batting average on balls in play. So that is good to see. That is one of his lowest of the season. So really locked in yesterday. Um, going with the batted balls here. Getting the ground ball. Getting the ground ball was really big. When they were putting it in play, and they were hitting it hard. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but 53.8% ground ball percentage. Way up from his uh, yearly average of 44.7. So really doing a good job. And that has been the trend that has been running the last five starts. The last five starts, he's been above a 50% ground ball rate. So keeping the fly balls way down, 23%. Getting the ground balls up. That is big. Letting the defense do the work. Um, and they were hitting it hard. A 53.8% hard hit rate. That's actually one of his highest of the season, if not the highest on the entire season. And uh, especially since he's been starting. But that can be effective if you're getting ground balls. Like You can work with that. Uh, so, yeah. So, they were hitting it hard. They were pulling it a lot. Hitting the center field a lot. 46% for both of those. Only going opposite field 7.7%. So they were hitting, uh, they were trying to be aggressive, trying to get ahead and trying to pull the ball, and it was not working for the Angels last night. Uh, that's actually been a trend his last two starts. He did the same thing in Minnesota. Uh, the starts before that, Oakland, Detroit, and Chicago, way more, especially the White Sox, way more uh, opposite field approach from those teams. But the last two starts, they've gotten aggressive, tried to pull the ball, and it has not worked. I would love to break down the pitch type and the pitch mix compared to other starts, but it's kind of hard because I think uh, they've got the cutter looped in here with the slider. I think Fangraphs has confused his cutter with his slider. They've got him at 37.2% sliders yesterday, and we both know that uh, he only threw two sliders according to uh, Baseball Savant. So clearly that uh, they've got maybe the cutter mixed in there with the slider, confusing those pitches. Um, so let's go over to plate discipline numbers. And these are pretty consistent. Uh, outside the zone swinging at 30.8%. Inside the zone at 78.6%. Those are pretty consistent with league average. 52.1% swing rate for the Angels hitters against him. That's actually up from his league average, our yearly average of 46.8%. Uh, they were not making contact when they did go outside the zone. Uh, their contact percentage was only 77.6, a little bit down from his yearly average of 80.7. He was in the zone only 44.7% of the time. He's not someone that pounds the strike zone. He's someone that makes you hit his pitch. And uh, that's around his yearly average of 41% in the zone with his pitches. His first pitch strike was actually down a little bit. His last two starts, he's been at 54.2% first pitch strike. The last three games before that, he was up over 70%, over 75% first pitch strike. So down a little bit there, but maybe showing the confidence that he can get someone to chase um, or swing at bad pitches and doesn't have to lay one in on the first pitch. His yearly average on that is 66.2, and the swinging strike was up, though. Swinging strike was up at 11.7%, up from his yearly average of 9.0. Uh, 
uh, way up from his last start against Minnesota. They were barely swinging at anything. They were at 5.4% swinging strike. But the two starts before that, Oakland and Detroit, he was both over 10% swinging strike. So definitely starting to rack up the strikeouts for uh, for Cal Quantrill. And as far as the Angels hitters go, uh, he did get Otani. He got Upton once. He got Walsh once. He got Stacy three times. Got Iglesias twice, including that one in the dirt. Got Marsh and Adele. So struck out almost everybody in the lineup. Uh, Fletcher and Mayfield were the only ones that escaped the strikeout from Quantrill yesterday. So it's a great start from Cal Quantrill. I wish I had some of that location information because I'd love to see how he was using the cutter, how he was using the two-seamer and the four-seamer. Was he throwing it to different sides of the plate? My guess is yes. From what I could see in the highlights, he was definitely throwing the cutter uh, to the right side of the plate and the two-seamer to the left side of the plate. Uh, you know, because that pitch has a tendency, that sinker two-seamer has a tendency to break back a little bit, and he could throw it into the lefties, away from the righties, and catch that edge of the plate. Same thing with the cutter. He could throw it into the righties and still catch the inside edge of the plate. So, really great job by Cal Quantrill yesterday, and everybody wanted to talk about Otani. The announcers were dying to talk about Otani. Everybody in the stadium, even uh, DeMarlo Hale said, the kids that were sitting behind their own dugout, he heard them all cheering for Otani and chanting Otani's name. And he's like, wait a minute, those guys are supposed to be cheering for us. And uh, Quantrill kind of did flip the script. Um, he really took command of the game and took away the storyline from ESPN, right? That's the storyline, is that the narrative ESPN would have loved to push, which is Shohei Otani is the greatest player in baseball right now, you know, since Babe Ruth and uh, is the face of Major League Baseball, Quantrill took that narrative away from them. And next thing you know, they're reminiscing about uh, Quantrill's dad and Quantrill being a kid in the Yankees clubhouse. And uh, yeah, it became much more about Cal Quantrill and much more about uh, the little leaguers and getting to watch the Major League players, which is what the narrative should have been about. So, uh, yeah, that was interesting. On offense, the Indians' offense was pretty quiet on the day, actually. Uh, it's not like the uh, Angels pitching did a terrible job. They get into trouble right away in the first inning. Suarez gets into some big trouble, gives up a leadoff double to Miles Straw, and then Ahmed Rosario gets a high pitch. I think it was a 2-0 count, and he just cranks one out to left field. Uh, puts it over uh, over the uh, left field wall, right in the corner there. Um, Upton makes a leap at it, but no chance. And it's a two-run home run to start the game right there like that. That is a beautiful way to start things off and really support your pitcher, Quantrill, giving him a 2 nothing lead to work with. Um, the Indians would threaten a few more times. So would the Angels, as a matter of fact. The Angels did have a little rally going in that first inning. Uh, they had two guys on Otani with a stolen base, so they were he was starting to starting to get that narrative going of he was going to dominate this game and really impact this game. But Quantrill shut him down from there. Uh, gets a line drive to center field after he walks up then, and then gets a ground out to end that threat. Uh, like I said, the Indians with the two runs in the first inning is big. Um, they would threaten uh, a few more times throughout this game. Uh, they would get Owen Miller on. Hedges would sacrifice, bunt him over, but Jimenez would strike out and Straw would fly out in the second. 
in the third inning, Ahmed Rosario would start it off with another single. Ahmed Rosario was three for four yesterday. Uh, really uh, a fantastic job of setting the table every time he was up. Unfortunately, that home run would be the only run he would score. Uh, he'd be forced out in the third. Uh, they'd, after Austin Mercado gets hit by a pitch, they have two on with two out, but Zimmer strikes out to end that threat. He struck out three times yesterday. Zimmer had a pretty rough game. In fact, the whole middle of the lineup pretty much had a rough game. Jose Ramirez, Fermil Reyes, Oscar Mercado, Bradley Zimmer, and Owen Miller were all O for the day. Uh, but it would be Austin Hedges in the fourth inning who gets things going with a double, gets underneath the glove of the right fielder, uh, Adele, and uh, he's on with a double. Jimenez would single, but Austin Hedges would have to hold it third. So we got runners on the corner, one out, and then a huge play here. Uh, Miles Straw would shoot one up the middle. Jose Iglesias would make a diving stop to his left. From his belly, he would flip the ball to second base. They would get Andres Jimenez out at second base, but no chance to double up Straw. Austin Hedges comes in to score, and that would be a very important run. I just It just felt like 3-0 versus 2-0 was a mountain for the Angels to try to overcome. Ahmed Rosario would try to keep that going by singling uh, shooting a single into center field, Straw would move up to second, but Jose Ramirez would end up grounding out to end that threat. They wanted Jose Ramirez to put on a show too. They did get into a narrative about him throughout this game, and they were waiting for him to do something huge, and he had an 0 for, 0 for 4 on the day. So that was the runs. That was how everything scored. I mean, there was some good defense being played. Oscar Mercado had a nice diving catch in left field, but the pitching really... Really locked in. Uh, the two guys that came out of the bullpen for the Angels, Austin Warren and Steve Chizik, really locked in. They both go two innings. Warren, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. Chizik, two innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, no strikeouts. So nothing, zeros across the board for him. So they really settle things down after Suarez has a tough four innings. Six innings pitched, three, uh, uh, six hits, sorry, four innings pitched, six hits, Three earned runs, two walks, four strikeouts, and the big home run allowed to start things. Now, after Quantrill gets through those seven innings, it's down to the bullpen, and he goes to Karinchek in the eighth inning. Why not? Karinchek is supposed to be that guy, and he absolutely struggles. He ends up walking Brandon Marsh to start the inning. Not a great way to start an inning, especially because that's what Karinchek has been struggling with, right? Getting guys out, throwing strikes. He's been walking guys like crazy. Then Joe Adele hits a single to left field. It moves Marsh up to second. Okay, we're not in huge trouble yet. After a mound visit, he gets Mayfield to fly out to Mercado. Marsh does move up to third. Tags and moves up to third on that, so they got runners on the corner. Then Shohei Otani's up. He draws a walk. And, I mean, you can't blame Karinczak for not wanting to put one in against Otani. Don't want to really give up a three-run home run at this point to Otani and tie the game. Fletcher's a much less home run threat than Otani is. Upton and Jared Walsh, though, can hit some home runs. So you got to get Fletcher right here. They go to the mound. They take Karinczak out of the game at this point. So a terrible line on the day for him. I mean, a third of an inning pitched, one hit, no runs, two walks. Uh, That is not a good line on 25 pitches. Shaw comes in, and on two pitches, two cutters, 
gets Fletcher to ground to third baseman Jose Ramirez, who fires it to second to Jimenez, fires back to first to Owen Miller, and they double up Otani and Fletcher to end the threat. So bases loaded. It looked like the Indians' bullpen might give up the game, might implode. They, instead of instead of going to Class A for the long save, instead of going to Class A for the five-out save, they go to Brian Shaw. That was a you know a Marlowe Hale decision right there, and it paid off. Brian Shaw gets the double play on two pitches, gets him out of it, and then gives Class A a nice clean ninth inning to work with. And he doesn't throw a ton of strikes in this one, but he's able to get the ground balls, and he's able to get up into ground out to Jose Ramirez. He gets Jared. He does give up a single to Jared Walsh um, on a ground ball to Ahmed Rosario. He gets Stassi to strike out swinging, and then gets Jose Iglesias to fly out to center to end the threat. So a great job by him. He was about 75 or so percent cutters looking at this. Let's go to the player breakdown here. Uh, it was 10 cutters uh, to four fastballs. I do not think that's right. <laughs> I think StatCast is very confused. I'm guessing it was 10 cutters to four sliders. I mean, he throws a 92-mile-per-hour slider. So you can see how StatCast, uh, especially when it's not in a ballpark setup for it, can get very confused by these things here. So I don't think any of these pitch numbers uh, can be taken at face value. I think all of these come with a question mark. Uh, at that ballpark yesterday, but Class A doing a good job to shut things down in the ninth. Uh, how many saves is that on the season for Class A? Uh, I believe that would make 18 saves on the season for Class A. Quantrill moves to four and two on the season. Uh, Class A, I think they said he's on a some kind of scoreless inning streak. I maybe up in double digits now as far as scoreless innings go. So that is huge from Emmanuel Class A, who's definitely cemented himself. I don't think there's an argument anymore about who the closer is on this team. Karinczak cannot find it right now. Karinczak is really struggling bad. And I know all of you are immediately going to think, well, they did cut down on the sticky stuff. His spin rates have fallen. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That's, I mean, that exactly at that moment is when Karinczak's season started to go downhill. So there's someone who really needs to work on reinventing himself in the offseason really needs to work on how he can be effective without cheating, without using whatever he was using on the mound, whatever combination of sunscreen and pine tar and sticky stuff, whatever he was using. Um, he's really got to find a way to be effective with that fastball and curveball combo. Maybe it's adding in another pitch. Maybe it's throwing in a changeup or something like that, you know, getting another pitch into the mix. Karinczak definitely needs to find something. He's still got the talent, but he is not effective walking these guys, and you can't trust him in pressure situations right now. All right, MVP on the day definitely goes to Cal Quantrill. Again, seven innings pitch, two hits, no runs, two walks, and nine strikeouts. Ahmed Rosario also had a fantastic day, three for four with the run and two RBIs on the home run, but I'm giving it to Quantrill. He was the big story from last night, and Definitely the MVP on the day, shutting down the Angels for the third day in a row. So that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Coming up, we're coming back to Cleveland. We got an off day tonight, but then we're coming back and we got a three-game set against Texas. So just when I thought the Minnesota series was going to be the series we were going to rack up all these runs, 
all these wins against, right? I thought Detroit and Minnesota, we were going to rack up a ton of wins. Well, no, it turns out we went three, three and three in those two series. It was the LA Angels series we rack up a ton of wins on. So let's see if we can keep it rolling against Texas. Texas is definitely a team that kind of sold out and gave up on this season. Uh, what is Texas in the standings? I know they're in last place. 43 and 80 on the season. Oof. They are definitely headed to a 100-loss season. So let's make them pay a little bit. Eli Morgan is going to start things off in that series. On Tuesday night, Wednesday night, it's going to be Plesak. And then Thursday night is TBD. I think we can all guess that's probably going to be the Sam Hench's bullpen special. And it's not a getaway day. It's a 7-10 start uh, every night this week. So that'll be interesting. And then Boston coming in town for a weekend series. I'm sure the stadium is going to be packed for Boston being in town. Uh, There's definitely some playoff history there between us and the Red Sox. Obviously, Terry Francona connection, even though he's not managing right now. So that's going to be a fun one over the weekend against Boston. We'll have to see if Savali gets another uh, rehab start. Keep our eyes on that to see if he might be ready to come back soon. And, man, we got to get Harold Ramirez and Bobby Bradley back, right? Bobby Bradley just banged his knee and diving into home. We got to get that guy back in the lineup because we need some pop back in the middle of this lineup. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Remember, for show merch, show merchandise, you can visit clevelandbaseballmornings.myspreadshop.com for premium t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs coming soon, and more for men, women, kids. Even my little nephew got himself a Cleveland Baseball Mornings t-shirt. Looks awesome in it. Show off your pride for Cleveland baseball and help spread the show's name with some high-quality shirts and gear. Obviously, we're a small, independent podcast, but wearing the shirt around town would definitely help spark a little conversation and might get a few more people interested in what we do here in Cleveland Baseball Morning. So the link is in the show notes, and it's my pinned tweet on Twitter at Davey Barris. Just scroll up on those show notes, and you'll be able to click the link and find our merch store. So again, the final from uh, Williamsport, PA. It's the Cleveland Indians 3, the LA Angels nothing. We'll be back in two days. We're off tomorrow because of the off day for the Indians. We'll be back Wednesday morning to talk about this Texas Rangers series. Get to know who the heck is still on the Texas Rangers. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.